Thank you for listening to the New Life Church podcast. If you need any information about our church or if you'd like to give online, please visit us at newlifekingman.com. Accurately, accurately, the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Uh, This is really important that we know the news about Jesus Christ is good news. And I say that because good news isn't the first thing that comes to mind to some people when they hear about Jesus or His gospel. Now, this is pretty incredible to a lot of us that that somebody could not think of Jesus or the gospel as good news because to so many of us, it is the best news. There couldn't be any better news. And God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Whoever believes in Him would not perish, but have eternal life. It's really good news. It was great news to us before we got saved. And we came to Jesus, got saved, got forgiven, and since then, we believe in good news. So why in the world wouldn't any, everybody know that Jesus and His gospel is good news? Well, I uh, have an answer for that question as well. And I think that a lot of times it could be because of the way He has been presented or the gospel has been presented. And I'll be honest with you this morning, I have not always presented the gospel as good news. <laughs> that was pretty heavy, huh? I'm not talking about recently, at least I hope, but <clears throat> when, when I was a young believer, I was out witnessing on the streets with a lot of the folks in our church and and uh, we were down on South San Francisco Street in Flagstaff, and, and it was a, a college bar scene down there. And I was out in front of what used to be called uh, the Mad Italian, a bar, because I figured what better place to, to find somebody who needed to get saved than outside of a bar. And so I stood there perched and ready, and this guy comes uh, wandering out, and man, I mean, he was—he uh, was wasted. I mean, completely gone. And so, my—unless you really know the person, let me just say this: it's—it's it's probably better for the, you to wait to witness to somebody if they're super wasted until after they straighten up. But being a young, zealous. Uh, guy, I uh, bought, ooh. And so I walked up to him. I started telling him about Jesus, and I, I could tell he was getting a little hostile. And the more I talked, the more hostile he got. And so finally, he just breaks off into cursing and mocking me and all of this, and that made me mad. And so I just decided to tell him where he was going, and I did. 
I said, you know what, you're going straight to hell. And, you know, for some reason, that uh, made him more hostile. And he took a full 180-degree swing at me, and it, I was just lucky that he was so wasted because all I had to do was take a step back, and he almost threw himself down on the ground. If he had connected with me, I would have gone to be with the Lord. <laughs> he didn't, and that was it. You know, he goes wandering off down the street, uh, cursing and, and all of that now. Needless to say, uh, my presentation wasn't that great. I didn't tell him about hell because of my deep burden for his soul. I told him about hell because he ticked me off. And the reason some people may not see the gospel as good news is because of how it was presented. Telling people they're going to hell may not always be the most effective way of getting them saved. Now, uh, uh, there is a judgment day coming for everyone who is not saved. It is going to be severe. It's going to be eternal. I have preached on hell a number of times in the past, and I will, I'm sure, in the future uh, preach and talk about hell. I'm not saying we avoid the subject because it's real. It is eternal. But having said that, I'm not sure it's always the most effective way to reach people for Jesus. Some people will come to him with that message, but there are a lot of people who need to hear something else, and Romans 2.4 says it's the goodness of God that leads to repentance. The worst of the worst felt like they could come to Jesus because he was good. He wasn't condemning he was forgiving. He told the adulterous woman in John chapter 8 and verse 11, neither do I condemn you, go and sin no more. He didn't condone sin. He didn't condone her sin. He didn't overlook her sin. He actually addressed her sin with forgiveness and said, now go and don't do it anymore. He not only forgives, he empowers us uh, to get free from sin. The gospel is really good news. And somebody give a hand. <clears throat> the gospel is good news because God is good. We just sang about it. He's a good, good father. He's a good God. Now, when some people say good God, they are saying it as an expletive, you know? But as believers, we ought to say it as a declaration of faith. And I want you to say this with me this morning, good God. The goodness of God is a really big deal. Now, when we say good, uh, we, we say it casually. A lot of the time we say good. You know, like, like, you know, I got a really good parking place at Walmart the other day. And then somebody says, oh, well, good. But God's goodness, and when we talk about God being good, it isn't uh, I got a good parking place at Walmart good. It's a really big deal. And that's why I'm preaching about it this morning 
it's kind of on me, is uh, about how big a deal the goodness of God is. It's one of the most important things that we can know about Him is that He is good. In Psalm 119, verse 68, He says, You are good and do good. Teach me your statutes. That's really that's a that's an important verse of scripture there, uh, and it's really good doctrine. God's good and He does good. <clears throat> the word "good" that's used here is the Hebrew word "tob," and it means pleasant, agreeable, beneficial, best, better, fair, favorable, generous. One who is good. That's good news. <clears throat> And it's one of the most important things that we can know about God is that He is good. There are a lot of believers who when you, and I'm not talking about anybody in here. I'm talking about out there. There are a lot of believers who don't act like or talk like They know God is good. And, you know, they, they, uh, there are believers that blame God for all kind of things that God never did. From hurricanes to pandemics to whatever. And this morning, we really need to know something about God, and that is He's good. He's a good, good Father. Say, He's a good, good Father. Psalm 103, verse 13 says, The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. Uh, I was fortunate in growing up in my family. I had a really good dad. Uh, He uh, always uh, took care of me. The more I get older, the more I appreciate how good I had it as a kid and with my dad, my mom and dad. But my dad, he was, he was just a, he was a good dad. I knew he was going to meet the needs that I had. I knew that he was going to protect me. I always knew that I was loved. My dad called me his number one son. I was his only son, but <clears throat> it, didn't, it didn't take away from the feeling that it gave me when he called me number one son. And I was thinking just recently, and that's where the inspiration for this message came from, I was in prayer and thinking about my dad and my heavenly father, and I was thinking that as good as my dad was, my heavenly father is so much better. And I began to praise God, and I said something to this effect while I was praying, and I said, God... I thank you that you're a better father than my dad was. Now, I understand this, that there may be those here, and there probably are those here, who uh, didn't have a dad like mine. But we all that are born again have a heavenly father that is too good. He is so good. He's a good, good father. Matthew uh, 7, verse 11, and I know we read verses like this. You probably heard it a lot, and I pray this morning that every one of us can hear it with fresh ears 
uh, and know that this is talking about our Heavenly Father. And I want you to say, my Heavenly Father. Jesus said, if, if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good, th- good things to those uh, who ask Him? That's important for us to know about God. He's a good Father. He isn't a deadbeat dad. He's a good provider. He isn't an abusive father. He will never put sickness on his children. He brings healing to his children. He is a good God. He's a good, good father, and we need to know the goodness of God, we need, we, and we need to know what goodness does. Goodness expresses, and God's goodness expresses itself uh, in so many ways, but I'm going to talk about just a few. And one is that God's goodness is linked to His power. God's goodness isn't passive, it's powerful. It does things in and for us. His goodness is one of the most powerful aspects of His nature. Now, we don't always think of goodness and power in, in the same light or as them being synonymous, but with God, His goodness and His power are synonymous. It's out of His goodness that His power flows. In Acts chapter 10, verse 38, it says, You know of Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power, and how he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. And I want you to know this morning, he is still good, and out of his goodness, his power flows. It heals all who are oppressed by the devil. Listen, this morning, whatever pressure or oppression we're experiencing, his goodness is here to heal in our bodies, in our minds, in our emotions. And I'm here this morning to give a testimony. His goodness healed my oppression. Before I got saved and from an early age, and this was what was so weird, I had a great family. I had a great mom and dad. I wasn't raised in an abusive home and was never abused as a kid except for my first grade teacher. And that's another story for another time. But uh, from an early age, early, even before Miss Ophelia Smith in first grade, even before her, uh, and, and her oddities and demonic manifestations, <laughs> I experienced uh, uh, anxiety and oppression from probably the time I was about four years old. Nothing uh, triggered it except the oppression of the devil. And I know that what that was was him trying to oppress and destroy me. 
The thief comes not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I got saved and he healed me from that oppression. Amen. Now, I've, there are times where I may have uh, uh, brief times of anxiety and all, but I know what to do now. I don't have to live my life constantly anxious or oppressed by the devil. In fact, I refuse to live my life constantly anxious and oppressed by the devil. All of us who are born again need to know that we do not have to live all of our lives. And I'm not, and I'm, I'm not making light of hard times, difficulties, uh, or, or times of grief, or any of that. We all experience difficulties in life, but as believers in Jesus Christ, we need to know how good His goodness is uh, and that it is there to heal us from oppression. We're going to pray about that uh, just as we close this morning, but not yet. Catch that, that. Never mind. I'll, I'll move on. Didn't want to give you a false hope. This is not my closing right now. It's... We need to know God's goodness better and what it does. For one, out of his goodness, his power flows. And this is really, really awesome. Second thing is, is that God's goodness is linked to his presence. I came across an interesting portion of Scripture while I was studying for this message, and it's in 2 Chronicles 5, verse 13 and 14. Solomon had just finished building the first temple, and it was a huge deal. And so they are out uh, celebrating and sacrificing. The, he had... Uh, 22,000 cows and 120,000 sheep sacrificed at the inauguration of the temple. That's a lot of livestock. And so there's this big celebration going on, and here's, here's the portion of Scripture that caught my attention. 2 Chronicles 5, 13 and 14 Indeed, it came to pass when the trumpeters and the singers were as one to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music and praised the Lord, saying, For he is good, for his mercy endures forever, that the house, <clears throat> the house of the Lord, was filled with cloud so that the priest could not continue ministering because of the cloud for the glory of the Lord filled the house of the Lord. Wow, that, that just gives me a rush even just reading it again uh, because as they began to worship and as they began to praise God, you know, they could have called attention to so many things. They could have called attention to God's power, His might, his awesomeness, but they called attention to his goodness, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. And when they began to praise God, his goodness brought his presence in, and they, it filled the house with the cloud, and the priest, they were just dumbstruck. They couldn't do a thing because of the presence of God that filled the house. 
In Psalm 145, verse 5 through 7, he says, I will meditate on your majestic, glorious splendor and your wonderful miracles. Your awe-inspiring deeds will be on every tongue. I will proclaim your greatness. Everyone will share the story of your wonderful goodness. They will sing with joy about your righteousness. I read that and I thought, man, I, I want that to be written about me. Instead of sitting around and being glum, I want to be one to, to think about, talk about, uh, and praise God for His wonderful goodness. When we do, His presence comes in. We will experience God more in our lives when we think about, talk about, and praise His goodness. In Psalm, 1, or Psalm 27, verse 13, he says, I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. That is powerful because he's saying, I, I would have been dis disheartened. I would have lost heart. I would have lost hope except for the fact that I believe to see the goodness of God in the land of the living. And this morning, all of us as God's people need to believe to see the same thing. Amen. We need to believe to see the goodness of God in our lives, in our families, in our work, in our church. And we need to believe to see it. I want you to tell yourself, I'm going to see it. We need to cultivate an expectation of seeing God's goodness in our lives because we're in a time where the expectation throughout the world seems to be badness. As, as believers in Jesus Christ, we need an expectation of His goodness instead of all the badness. Now, I want you to hear me because I understand and I live in the same world that you do. Uh, I understand uh, the times that we're living in. And I get concerned. I get irritated. I get disgusted with some of the stuff I see going on in our nation and throughout the world. And so we've got all of this junk, and the news is filled with bad news. My point is, and for us as God's people, is about our expectation, because if we're not careful, we can just expect more bad. Well, it's getting bad, getting bad. Man, it's, guess what? It's getting bad, 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 bad. Bad. Everywhere I look, bad, bad. I'm going to sound like a sheep. Bad, bad, bad. <laughs> or a goat, I should say. Never mind. I'll... We need an expectation of seeing the goodness of God. See, we are living in the last days, I believe. The Bible says in the last days, perilous, literally dangerous times will come. We understand the reality of that, but even in the midst 
of the bad, perilous, dangerous times, we can have an expectation of some really good things, like a move of God. Joel 2, 28, Joel prophesied and said, in the last days, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. He said, I'll pour out of my spirit in the last days. God help us as God's people to, and that began uh, uh, when the new early church was just started. Peter quoted it on the day of Pentecost. How much more true is it in our time, in our day, as it was 2,000 years ago, as we come, I believe, to the end of the end of times, we have an expectation of God pouring out a spirit, of a real revival, move of God, a sweeping in. I believe, and I, have, I am developing and cultivating an expectation of a uh, move of God like we've never seen before, or maybe even heard of before. Amos 9 and verse 13 He's prophesying about a time where the plowman shall overtake the reaper. And what this is picturing is a guy out in the field reaping the harvest, but as soon as the harvest is reaped, they're planting again because the harvest is so uh, multiplied. It just is continuing on and on, and God help us uh, uh, to believe and have an expectation of a move of God, of a good, good Father pouring out His Spirit on our flesh. Not in the sweet by and by, but in the sweet now and now. In the land of the living. We are, we are in the land of the living. And the gospel is really good news. <laughs> I know it's kind of early still, but come on, guys. <laughs> I'm talking about really good news today. <clears throat> and a shameless attempt for applause and recognition. <laughs> That's horrible. Okay, we'll move on. We ought to believe to see the goodness of God now, listen, every day of our lives. Psalm 23 and verse 6. I read this uh, at a graveside service uh, just uh, a week ago. And I have read Psalm 23 at memorial services over the years countless times because it's a comfort to those who have lost loved ones that were believers in Christ. And so it ends with, uh, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. But listen, I, I, Psalm 23 wasn't written just for comfort uh, to those uh, of us when our loved ones die. It is for the sweet now and now. Yeah. And one of the most powerful statements of God's goodness uh, is written in verse 6 of Psalm 23. Listen, be, and, and God help us to get a hold of this. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Now, I want you to tell yourself, surely, not surely, surely, not surely, 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 a sure thing. God's goodness 
and his mercy will follow us all the days of our lives. We are not meant to just live in expectation of trials and tribulations, though they do come. Even if we, and again, I'm not making light of anyone who's going through a hard time right now. God help us uh, uh, in those times. I understand. I've been through times of difficulty and and grief and, and all. So I am not making light of that, but I am wanting to point us to something And that is that even if we are in the midst of a trial or a tribulation or something bad going on, we can expect to see God's goodness. We need an expectation of His goodness today, today, all the days of our life. Not someday, but every day. Psalm 107 and verse 8 and 9 says, Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Listen, he satisfies the longing soul and fills the hungry soul with goodness. That's our God this morning. That's written to us. That's in the the Bible. That's That's the Word of God to us today that we give thanks to the Lord for his goodness as we do. His presence moves in and fills the hungry soul. He satisfies the longing soul. That longing, that hunger that we sense inside can only be filled by Him, His presence, His glory, and His presence and glory come in through His goodness. That's good. He's a good God. He is such a good God. Real briefly, this is almost my closing. Knowing God's goodness will change how we represent Him. Now, at the beginning of the message, I mentioned that some people don't uh, believe that the gospel is good news, and it it could be because of how it was presented to them. I'm going to share a verse of Scripture that I I read the other day, and this really got a hold of me, got me thinking. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 15 says, Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Now, I read that verse, and it really made me think. Because obviously, in Peter's time at least, he expected that some of these believers that he was writing to would have somebody come up to him and go, wow. Why are you so hopeful? And I got to thinking about me. And I I can't say that I can remember in the over four and a half decades that I've served God, I can't remember a time where somebody has come up to me and just looked at me and said, ooh, wow. You just are exuding hope. What is that? Well, it's, let me tell you about it. Now, that's, I'm kind of making a, a joke of that, but it's, I don't know that that's uh, much of a joke. Uh, and here's my thought, because I know that a lot of us are feeling about the same kind of, wow, is that when we 
think about, meditate on, dwell on, talk about, and praise God's goodness, it may just change how we appear to others. And this is, this is my closing. In Exodus 33, I'm just going to explain it. It's not on the screen. Moses was on the mountain receiving the Ten Commandments the second time. First time he broke them because of the calf and all of that. And so he's back up on the mountain again. Uh, he had to, this is so cool, he had to carve out the, the first time it appears that God made the tablets and wrote on them. <laughs> Second time, if, if my remembrance is right, God said, well, you make, and I'm paraphrasing, but he'll say, you make the tablets, you broke, and I'll write it. You know, <laughs> that's, that's my remembrance. Anyway, <clears throat> while he's on the mountain, God's revealing all of this to him. Moses makes an incredible statement here he is, and you know, you know the story because uh, there's a, a cloud and thunders and lightnings and rumblings, and the people down below are going, Ooh, man, I'm not, I'm not going up there. Moses is in this outrageous demonstration of God, talking to God back and forth, and then Moses makes a request, and he says, show me your glory. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know that I would have come up with that. I, I would have thought, I just, I'm just glad to be sitting here talking to you and still being alive, you know. <laughs> but, but he says, show me your glory. And what God says to him, and you can read about it in Exodus 33, is God says, I'm going to put you in a cleft of a rock. And he says, I'm going to let all of my goodness pass before you. Did you catch that? This is why God's goodness is so important because when Moses says, show me again, and here's the glory, the glory of the, filled the house as they were praising. Moses says, show me your glory. And God says, I'm going to let all of my glory pass before you. And after that encounter with God, Moses comes down from the mountain and his face shined. He had to put a veil on and all that. And in the Bible, the Bible tells us this veil is done away in Christ. And so here's, here's is my closing statement and challenge to all of us, to me. And I, I want you to know this really challenges me is to think about, meditate on, talk about, praise Him, remember His goodness to us, to such an extent that it changes how we appear to others. Very possibly, it could be the very goodness of God that changes how we represent the gospel to others. And I want to be a good representation of Him. Don't you? I know you do. Praise God. Let's bow our heads this morning. A lot of things that I unpacked this morning. First of all, for you who have never given your life to Christ or if you've been away from Him for a time and you want forgiveness of sin, 
nobody looking around for just a moment, you'd say, I'd like to be included in this closing prayer. I need his forgiveness in my life. I believe God's a good God and that it's out of his goodness that his forgiveness flows to me. And I, I just desire that. Nobody looking around for a moment. You'd slip your hand up and say, that's me. Would you pray for me? God bless you. God bless you. Amen. Honest hearts. God bless you. Amen. Praise God. All right, let's all stand, and what we're going to do is we're going to pray together a prayer of forgiveness, and there were a number of you who, who lifted your hands. Some of you have prayed that prayer, maybe all of you at one time or another, but this morning you felt the need, and you know, His forgiveness is flowing. It flows out of His goodness. And then also, I'm going to pray for release from oppression. The devil is a thief and a robber. He is an oppressor. Jesus came about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. And today, we're going to believe for that oppression to go in Jesus' name. Can you say amen? Would you just bow your head and close your eyes and pray this? Let's all pray this together. Lord Jesus, thank you for paying the price so I could be forgiven. I know that I've sinned. And I ask you to forgive me. Come into my heart. I will live for you from today on by the grace of God. Jesus, today, deliver me from this oppression. I speak against it in Jesus' name. Jesus, you are good. And you are healing me from this oppression, now, in Jesus' name. I thank you for it. I thank you for your goodness. I will praise you for your goodness to me. Your presence is in my life, and I praise you for it. Freedom in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you give the Lord a clap and just thank him? Thank you for it, Lord. Final statement. The gospel is really good news. Praise God. Uh, We're going to have our prayer team up here in the front that would pray for you if you have a, a personal need that you would like to come in and have somebody agree with you. God bless you. God love you. Bye. Thank you for listening to the New Life Kingman podcast. We can't wait to see you next week.